This episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is sponsored by Katrina Burke Coaching, helping caring professionals create a life of balance and flow. Katrina has a range of programs available for teachers and school leaders. So for more information, go to katrinaburkecoaching.com.au. This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast a weekly show to help you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds-Keen. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Today's episode is an interview with Meg Durham from Open Mind Education. Uh, Meg was a little girl who always wanted to be a teacher and never wanted to do anything else growing up. She ended up becoming a science and PE secondary school teacher. However, despite being extremely excited to begin her teaching career, she says she described her first year as an avalanche. I wonder if that is a word that you can relate to when you think about your first year of teaching. She said the only way that she survived was by napping, taking lots of naps where she would get home from work, have a nap, get up and keep going and put her personal life off until the holidays. She realized that she couldn't sustain it uh, and so she got a job at a different school but the same thing happened again. And it was actually an unexpected conversation with a student in crisis that led her on the path to doing a master's of education in student well-being, which was then how she learned about, you know, well-being and and, and looking after her own well-being more as well. Um, For her own well-being sake, she ended up accepting a position at 0.7, which is uh, 70% of a full-time teacher's load in Toowoomba in Queensland, which is where I live, but that's that's not actually where we met. And to do that, she had to move from Melbourne where she was based to Queensland. She has a really interesting comment about the change in the cost of living between Melbourne and Toowoomba, which, you know, that's that's a whole nother story in and of itself. But I think that idea of, of financial well-being is something that I definitely want to cover because, you know, it makes a difference. Financial pressures have a big difference on, on well-being. Meg also really talks about the absolute gift of having that 70% teacher workload And how much of a difference it made to her quality of life and the quality of her teaching and her life and job satisfaction. And that was certainly my own experience as well. When I first went back to part-time teaching, you know, part-time in inverted commas, I was 0.8, which is 80% of a load. So that was four days a week. That's not exactly part-time, but technically it's not full-time. Then I eventually moved to 0.7 and 0.6. And I definitely found absolutely that that having just that little bit less of a workload meant that I was able to do a better job and have more of a life and just be happier and healthier and more effective all around. Um, So for Meg, one thing led to another and she eventually began Open Mind Education, which is her teacher and student wellbeing business. And in this episode, she shares about the work she does now with schools, with, with staff and with students, and how she's found that there's no one size fits all, which I absolutely agree with. I'm heard, I'm sure you've heard me say that before. And she goes on to explain why school well-being is like a farm and why teacher well-being is like a battery. They are both great metaphors, but in particular, the farm one really struck me. It is 
it is so beautiful and Meg explains it so well. So I hope that you enjoy it as much as me. I never met a four I didn't like and Meg really delivers on the metaphor front in this interview. It's great. We also talk about the barriers to improving well-being, which I just think is so important, um, so important actually that it was pretty much half the topic of my webinar last week. Um, and Meg says that, you know, sometimes we get stuck in feeling that life happens to us instead of asking ourselves, what can I do? What can I do within my reality where I am to make a difference? And, you know, just really that important point of finding what works for us and, and looking at our psychological fitness in a similar approach to physical fitness. It doesn't happen overnight. The other thing I did want to mention is we did have some tech issues when we recorded this. So we actually ended up recording it via phone, um, which you will be able to hear. You know, it's just the quality is just a little bit tinny because it was coming through the phone, but it's very listenable. And I have to say, Meg is so worth listening to. So please enjoy this episode and, and the wonderful wisdom that Meg shares. I have a few announcements before we get to the episode. The webinar that I ran last week on preventing burnout, the missing link went really well. Thank you for all of you who participated in that. For those of you who missed it, I am in the process of creating a freebies library that will include uh, resources like the recordings of webinars that I have run in the past. I'm just having some tech issues slowing me down with that at the moment. So if you're listening to this in early April, you've missed the webinar, but if you go to selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash webinar, there is a link to sign up to my newsletter there at the moment, which will keep you updated on the progress of that freebies library where you'll be able to uh, log in and see that webinar once once it's up, the recording. And if you're listening at another time, you know, later in, in the year, check that link anyway, because I plan to run a series of webinars this year. The next one will be in early May. This is 2018. Um, so keep an eye on selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash webinar. Keep an eye on that page because you will find out what the topic of the next webinar will be. But like I said, I'm just trying to sort out some tech issues before I announce the next one and and set that freebies library up where you'll be able to access the recording of last week's webinar. Um, on the topic of tech issues, I'm just going to remind you that if you want to support the podcast and the work that I'm doing with self-care for teachers, you can become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash self-care for teachers because podcasts and websites and webinars and freebies libraries are free to consume, but then, you know, they're free to listen to, but they're not free to create. Um, so by supporting the show over on Patreon, it really does help me maintain these various resources, including the podcast, um, and help me continue to put this stuff out into the world. Um, a little note on Patreon, I've actually just adjusted the price options um, in terms of donating on there because they're actually in American dollars, which is a pain, a pain in the butt but there is no way that I can change it to Australian dollars. I'm sorry. So unfortunately, that's just the way the platform works. So keep that in mind. Um, if you do want to go on there and pledge to support, you know, a couple of dollars every month to help keep the podcast going. But as far as, um, yeah, as it can be as little as the cost of a cup of coffee per month. And you can also buy some discounted coaching sessions with me there. They are now discounted because when they were in American dollars, it wouldn't have been discounted. Uh, but they are now discounted um, compared to the price that you would get them on my website. Um, and, you know, it helps support the show. And I do really, really appreciate it because it just helps me keep going with this platform. And I've been receiving some really lovely comments from you lately. Um, some of you listeners have reached out to me via email and um, via, 
you know, Facebook and Instagram. And I so love hearing from you. So please, uh, if you've been wanting to give me some feedback, thank you so much. And so I know that this is resonating with you. And um, yeah, even if it's just, you know, $1.50 a month or something, just a little, every little bit helps. And also a final reminder as well in terms of reaching out, if you do want to be involved in my book research, there are still a couple of weeks left of April and end of April is the cutoff for me to really get stuck into my book draft. So please, if you want to do an interview so that you can be part of my research, book a time slot with me. Um, reach out if it's been something you've been thinking of doing. I know that you're often listening to the podcast in the car or while you're at the gym or something and you're not sort of immediately able to respond, but file that away and uh, send me an email, ellen at selfcareforteachers.com.au. I would love to hear from you. And uh, feel free also to share this episode with your friends, uh, share your thoughts on social media, come on over to facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers or instagram.com forward slash selfcareforteachers. And uh, let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Okay, with that out of the way, enjoy today's show with Meg Durham from Open Mind Education. It is a cracker. Hi, Meg. Thanks for coming on the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Oh, thanks, Ellen. So excited to be here with you. I'm really excited for this conversation. So let's launch right in. Can you tell me and the listeners about your background, your teaching um, experience and uh, what you're doing now also with Open Mind Education? I'd love to tell you a little bit about my story. I was one of a little girl who always wanted to be a teacher. Mum says that when I was little, I would play Anne. And Anne was my kindergarten teacher, and so I would have all the teddies down for their nap, and I would have my fingers on my lips, and I'd say, fingers on lips, heads on pillows. And then I'd turn around and say, Teddy, are you spoiling it for us? (laughs) So mum knew what was happening in the kindergarten class when Anne was a teacher, and I never wanted to do anything else. My whole life, it was always teaching, so I went through primary and secondary school having wonderful experiences the only thing that changed was what type of teacher would I be and as I got older it went from primary to secondary and I really enjoyed sports I thought yeah I'll be a PE teacher and then I really enjoyed biology science and so I went off to study to be a science and PE teacher and I didn't really enjoy university to be honest all that much but I loved my teaching rounds yeah every time I had the opportunity to go out there and teach if it was primary or secondary I just loved it and I loved the variety of teaching rounds that I went on and so when we finally got to that fourth year and you're looking for a job and I finally got a job I was absolutely wrapped I thought I am going to get paid to be a teacher, to yeah. have my own students, not make-believe, <laughs> pretend students. I'm going to be a qualified teacher. And I was so excited. I remember the summer before getting everything organised and that the night before my very first day, uh, I just thought all my Christmases would come at once <laughs> and I arrived and opening the door to these beautiful, happy, smiling year seven thinking, oh, I've made it. Life can't get much better than this. And that week was an absolute blur of so many things. So you're getting used to a new school, you're getting used to students, you're getting used to parents, you're getting used to colleagues, you're getting used to content, all the policies and procedures, yep. and then being asked to run an information night for your seven parents. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what we're doing in year seven. <laughs> and that was within the first 48 hours. 
And so that's how my first year really started and it continued that way, just an absolute avalanche of new things to do and I was constantly putting my hand up and wanted to be involved and doing so much but I couldn't keep up with it. The only way I really survived was when I would get home from work was having a sleep and then going again and then back to work and then work, 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 have a little sleep, go again. So my life was press pause really, my personal life, and then I'd pick that up again in the holidays and then back to work and then pick up my life on the holidays. I used to laugh that my top drawer, any bills or any paperwork that had to come in that wasn't school-related would go in the top drawer and then I'll deal with it on holidays. Yeah. And that's how I really managed. And it wasn't until term three where I started to get quite sick and ended up with a bit of a nasty chest infection. And I was just absolutely exhausted. I was just mm. spent. And I remember thinking, oh, I don't know if I can keep up. I don't know if this is teaching. I'm not sure if I'll be able to keep up. Something's got to change because I can't sustain this. And I started looking for other jobs thinking, oh, it must be the school. And then I was lucky to get a job at another school. And when I got started there, the same thing started to happen, the expectations. And I think also for myself, the expectations had of myself. I didn't like to do things half-hearted. I like to do things really well. And so that habit started again, getting there early, leaving late. My life on pause until holidays. And this style started to creep in year after year and then it was when I was teaching science one day it was a year eight science lesson I just finished the lesson and I thought I'd nailed it one of those few lessons where you think oh I'm actually really good at this yeah when you've had all those lessons that just don't go like that it was one of those unexpected really great lessons and a student said oh miss can I have a word with you I said oh Yes, not a problem thinking, oh, I'm going to explain the concept we've just been working through. This is, oh, this is just one of those beautiful days. And as she started to speak, I quickly realised this wasn't about science. This had nothing to do with science. This was a young girl in a really tough situation. And as she talked and as she said all these things that were going on for her and what she needed help with, my heart just broke. Everything, everything changed me. I all I wanted to do was just sit and cry along with her. It was absolutely heartbreaking. And in that moment, I felt so useless. Mm. I had no skills. I didn't know what to do. I was still, my head was still in the science lesson, and the other part of my head was trying to get to duty because I knew that I had to get there. Oh, yeah. But I also knew that this conversation was a real important conversation it was a real crossroads for this young girl and so I thought okay what can I do sitting here and crying with her is not going to be very helpful what can I do and I thought what would mum do yeah and mum would say let her talk give her space and get her to help yep and that's what I did and I remember that experience really changed me because once I saw that this young girl was struggling who I I had feelings, but I didn't know the extent. And I thought, if she's struggling, what about all the other students? Exactly. And I'm in secondary, but a few hundred students. How are they handling? What What are they got? Their strengths. What are their struggles? And then looking around my staff room, thinking, wow, my colleague is dealing with a really unwell parent. 
and another colleague has got uh, a young one at home who doesn't sleep and is <laughs> up three times a night. Yeah. And another one is first year and just loving life and really tired from the big weekend. You know, everyone has things. Everyone's got this life outside of school and so often teaching becomes a priority over the life. Yeah. And I was wondering what can I do because I can't sustain this and also I don't have the skills to support these young people that are also feeling this stress and that's when I looked for a course to help me out and I came across the Masters of Education at the University of Melbourne in Student Wellbeing Mm. and that was a two-year program part-time which I did as well as working full-time. It was a big commitment. Yeah, that is. Every time I went, I just thought I am so lucky to be learning this information now in my first few years of teaching rather than having to learn it through the School of Hard Knocks, you know, 10, 20 years down the track. Yeah. And and I thought, wow, imagine if every teacher had the opportunity to learn some of these skills in their undergrad. When I did my undergrad, wellbeing was never mentioned once. I think we had maybe a lecture or a little bit on behaviour management and that was about it. Everything else was around pedagogy, it was around it was science, yeah, content. Health, PE, content, not about connection around a human element. And what I've come to learn now is no real learning happens without that vehicle of relationships. Yeah. Relationships are key. And so doing this course I learned a whole new way of being as a teacher and it changed me fundamentally in the way that I went about working with students that presented that's I would thought they were just tough or hard now I really know that they've got some unmet needs there they've got something that's happening and how can I support them where they're at not where I expect them to be yeah so and it was important. a big big shift mm. Mm. and then is that when you ended up um, starting Open Mind Education? How did that? How did you go from the classroom to to starting Open Mind Education? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because I never set out to start Open Mind Education. I never thought I want to start a business and do this. I was working in the classroom, so at this stage, um, I'd been at two independent schools: one a secondary, one uh, primary and secondary. So the opportunity of teaching primary and secondary. Yep. And I continued to work there once I finished my study. But what happened was my well-being started to fall apart because the more I tried to implement all these new strategies that I had, so I went from being unskilled to skilled, and sometimes that's even harder because once you see things, you can't unsee them. Yeah, well, when you don't know what you don't know, there is that ignorance is bliss. Yeah, but when you know that you could be doing more or there's all these things that you could be implementing and then there's the pressure of, actually having to do that and 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 the the extra workload that that can bring when you as you say you're already already at capacity absolutely and that's that was the real struggle because you know so much more you can see all these opportunities to make a difference but I'm still trying to survive on my load and I'm Mm. still trying to survive the expectations of the school along with my own expectations and after being there for a period of time this is when I was teaching in Melbourne, I thought, I need a break. I need something different. Yeah. I need to have the opportunity to use these skills in a different environment and start fresh. And so I 
wrote to a school in Toowoomba mm-hmm. and I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to work there, Point Seven. And at the start, my initial reaction was, Point Seven, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. What am I going to do with Point Seven? I'm a full-time teacher. Yeah. And I worked through that and moving to Toowoomba, the funny thing is once you move to Toowoomba, uh, the difference in rent, it actually doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, exactly. Full time to, to point seven. <laughs> and it was such a gift because the first time in my teaching life, I had time. Mm. I had space. I was creative. I consciously didn't take on anything extra because previous to this, I'd taken on everything extra, every leadership role possible, and I consciously made a decision to take on nothing extra and enjoy my classes. And I had the best year I loved being with my students and I would often take to health this pink bag and they got to the point of like what's in the bag what's what are we doing this week <laughs> you know year nine students just couldn't wait to see what was in this pink bag and what we were up to and I thought this is what it's all about and through having that great experience at a wonderful school other staff started to notice what are you what are you doing that's really interesting. That's actually really helpful yeah. for our students. Imagine if we start doing this explicit wellbeing education a little bit more. And so we went on this journey of figuring out what do we want our students to know by the end of 7, 8, and 9 in the wellbeing space and how can we get there and how can we develop a program. So as this was happening, I also, life had taken a different journey and I was um, had found love and moving out past west of Gundawindi and so I was thinking okay I'm going to move and so this we made an agreement where I'd work externally as a consultant for this school to develop uh, this program for students in seven eight and nine to yeah. develop their mental fitness and that's how open mind education begun yeah. and I remember thinking for a long time what is this that I'm doing and really I want to open minds of educators and young people and I think the way we open mind is through connecting through the heart the human element and that's what I want to create opportunities to plant seeds and that's what the program is about and then moving west of Gundawindi and teaching in Gundawindi was another amazing experience so going from a school with 2,000 plus students and 500 plus staff to a school um you know, a primary rural school was really interesting. And since then I've moved again and now I've had the opportunity to work with schools, uh, Islamic schools, Catholic schools, independent schools, rural and remote schools. The smallest school that I've worked with is 13 students wow. and a teaching principal. And that has just been such a rich experience to see every school that you go to, they have such strengths, they have such beautiful things happening in our school, but they also have such significant challenges. And a challenge for one school will be completely different to another school. One school, you have a print room and they can do the printing for you and it lands on your desk. Another school that I worked at, I remember trying to print something and I couldn't work it out. So I thought, oh, the printer must be off. And when I went to speak to the admin, I said, oh, no, that's you've hit your, you've hit your limit. Yeah. And I thought, it's only week two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, how's this going on? And, you know, larger schools have so many people. And so when it comes to events, there's so many people to be involved and um, to make it happen. And then in smaller schools, if you've only got five staff, they've got to make everything happen. Yeah. And so it's 
been an amazing journey to see all these different schools. Every school is doing amazing work. Every school has their struggles. And then what schools need is so different. So the way that I work with one school will be completely different to another school because there is no one size fits all. Exactly. Differentiation, right? I mean, it applies to the kids in the classroom, in whatever subject you're trying to teach them, English or maths or whatever, you've got to differentiate for based on where that student is at and what their needs are. And it applies to the adults and the, the schools as well because Absolutely. We're, we're all human beings. We're not robots. We're not really that different to the students in our classrooms. We're, we're just a little bit more years on the planet. That doesn't necessarily mean we're actually that different from them. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think it's been a real gift teaching in metropolitan spaces and in metro, um, and in rural schools too mm. and seeing other differences. And the way that I look at school wellbeing is the way I look at a farm. So if you look at school wellbeing, the ecosystem really, I look at the weather yep. is the leadership. So the leadership can create the weather. Yep. You know, some of, some of us have had the experience of working in weather that really helps you thrive. You're absolutely going. And some of us have had some real storms mm. where you've had to really survive. So the leadership create the weather. What a beautiful metaphor, even just that right there, but I'm looking yeah. forward to the rest of it. <laughs> and then the staff, the staff are our soil. Yeah. They're the element that really create that environment and the students are our seeds. Mm. And in order for our students, our seeds to truly grow and thrive, they need soil. And if you've ever had the pleasure of talking to a farmer, they talk about soil a lot. <laughs> and, you know, if you want good product, if you want good yield, you need high-performing soil. So in the farming context, you wouldn't just put in crop after crop after crop after crop without any kind of inputs, without mm. giving them their nutrients, without fertilising, without water. Mm. And I think in our education system, what we're doing is we're just putting class, students after student, like cohort after cohort, with teachers that are giving everything and slowly, slowly, they don't have much to give because they're so depleted. Yeah. And I think we focus so much on students where the students will come and go. We've all had students that you see down the street and they've at uni and think, oh, I remember you when you were starting year seven. Yes. The students come and go, but it's the staff that make a difference. And I mm. look uh, where I'm at the moment, I can see at the office and I can see different paddocks and there's some paddocks that are sitting there without anything. Yeah, because they've, they've some, got to go fallow. Otherwise yeah, they can't they're, fallow. they're having a rest. Yep. And then right next to them I see really green, luscious, you know, high-producing crops because they've been nurtured mm. and they've had the opportunity to rest and it's really monitored. So I really believe that if we want schools to be well, we really need to enrich the environment for staff and leadership because I know uh, looking at the recent results of principal wellbeing, mm -hmm. principals are feeling so isolated and often when I work with schools, it's the principals think, they don't have that staff room feel because they can't go out and talk like you do when that's you're right. a, a staff member. So that's how I look at school wellbeing. You have the leadership that create the weather, mm -hmm. you have the staff that create the soil and the students that come and we really want to nurture their growth. And if we want students to really perform, we need to look at our soil. And we, I often ask teachers, how do you think you're creating an environment in your classroom? You know, how do you think mm. the seeds will go in the environment that you're creating? Mm. 
That's a really good question. And I, re- I really love this metaphor. Um, and also because like what you said before about the students will come and go, you know, there will be a new cohort next year and eventually those students will graduate from our school and move on to the next school or university or whatever they're going to do in the rest of their life. But the staff will be the consistent part, but that's if they're well enough to stay because so many of them are not. And, and that's, that's teachers, that's other staff members and principals as well. And I think, you know, I think thinking about it like that, that soil, metaphor makes it so clear why important why it's so important that we look after our staff well-being because it is so intricately linked to the student well-being and to the students you know achievement and success and all those other things that we want for the kids in our in our care we can't we can't those seeds won't germinate if the soil is barren basically absolutely and there's a few you know there's always a few little resistant weeds that'll get through yeah. you know it'll get through <laughs> the environment but yeah generally we really need to focus on our soil mm. and give it the time and energy and investments that it needs to thrive. And so that's that's looking at this macro, that, that real systems approach. But then I also challenge staff to think about, okay, where you are, what can you do? Mm. Because sometimes we get so focused on the system and I can't do anything, you know, it's too hard, a bit of the victim mentality, yep. where I challenge staff to think, okay, within your reality, what's possible for you? Mm-hmm. What would make a difference for you? And there's an analogy that I use if I'm working with staff or students or leadership, and it's the battery. And I ask five questions, and uh, people listening can think where you are, and for every answer you get, you can get a point. So in the last 24 hours, have you had enough sleep for your body? In the last 24 hours, have you done exercise that works for your body? Mm-hmm. In the last 24 hours, have you had food that makes you feel good? In the last 24 hours, have you had some downtime? In the last 24 hours, have you had some quality connection? Yeah. And often when I'm working with staff, I say, where are you? So I use the hands. So show me with your hands how charged are you from mm. five to zero. And it's generally around a one-two. Yep. And so they're coming, they're flat, and I, I work, work with students too, and they're coming flat. Mm. And I often say, would you bring your laptop flat? Yeah. Would you bring your phone flat? Oh, God, no way. Yeah, exactly. Would we bring ourselves flat? Oh, you are just the, the metaphor queen. I'm loving yeah. this. <laughs> I'm just working pictures. <laughs> no, well, I, I think it's. I think they're fantastic because it's such a good way it's – you know, even just that comparison of like, well, do you ever go anywhere with, with a phone that's flat? I mean, sometimes it goes flat because you've used it so much during the day, but you put it on charge overnight because you want to be able to use it tomorrow because you value the, the battery life of your phone. You know, like are you valuing Absolutely. the battery life of your phone more than you're valuing your own stamina, your own ability to to turn up and live your life and do your job and all of that? I just think it's a really um, a really good way to think about it. And I really like. And it's simple. Mm. It's simple because I I can walk into a classroom with schools that I'm working at and say, "Show me a battery." Yeah, kids get it. Kids, they understand kids it. Kids get it. They understand it, and staff start to get it because I I say, I can't make you do any of these things. No one can actually do these things for you. Mm. These are your choices. Yeah. No one can sleep for you. No one can move for you. No one can eat for you. No one can have downtime. No one can make you laugh. Like have connections. It's up to you, and that's that. Motto I love is if it's to be, it's up to me. Yeah, I love your that one too. Your choices create your experience 
the next day. And I remember when we surveyed a whole heap of year eight students, we said, who is responsible for your energy? The options were your parents, your teachers, um, and yourself. At the start of the year, 83% of the students said, my parents. Wow. And the teachers got a bit of a run and then not many themselves. By the end of the year, we're happy to say that 98% of the students said myself. Yeah. And then, you know, that last little bit for the parents. So I'm not sure what the story is there, but it just shows that sometimes we get stuck in this feeling that life happens to us mm. instead of, okay, what can I do? And I remember having this feeling after having a baby, you get into this this whole new world of sleeping and feeding and this new, it's like a fog. And I remember thinking, okay, where's my battery? Yeah. What can I focus on? Okay, I need to get more sleep. How can I get more sleep within my reality? How can I get more sleep? Putting strategies in, started to get more sleep. I'm like, right, I'm feeling a bit better now. Radio, let's get some exercise. Let's get a few walks in. Exactly. And it's it, not all at once. And it, not all at once. And I think that's another barrier to improving well-being is we want to go from zero to hero overnight. Yep. And if it doesn't work, stuff it. I may as well eat everything in a cupboard and do nothing Sunday and I'll start again Monday and then that cycle mm. starts again. Mm. So I think being realistic about the reality in which you are in yeah. and making choices for what is possible for you and focusing on what's possible for you, not so much the person next door or the person in the office next to you or the different desk, what can you do? Because a person next to you might not be juggling four kids and exactly. trying to get them out the door. Exactly <laughs> right. Kids off having their own kids and grandparents. You, you're finding out what works for you and getting curious. Mm. Because often I ask staff, what works for you or what makes you feel happy? And I get blank looks. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't had that space to actually think, what does make me happy? Yeah. What, when was the last time I had that? And it doesn't have to be going away to a health retreat for a week. It could be simply starting to read a book. Exactly. Yes, a book for a book for pleasure, not for work. Something yeah, that you just want to read work. just for the sake of reading, not because, oh, this is on the reading list for next term, so I've got to make sure I've read it before the kids read it. But, yeah, I love that. Or having for fun. Exactly. Or having ice cream, like whatever. Allowing yourself space to thrive yeah I really like to thrive I really like that that battery metaphor and even the fingers and 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 again that idea of of differentiation it's not about what the person next to you in the staff room is doing or what you think you should be able to be doing you know you know comparing yourself to maybe where how you were when you're in your first year and now you've got three kids and why can't you do it like you were in your first year well or vice versa, you know, I've, I've also had lots of conversations with first-year teachers where they feel like they should be as accomplished as the people who've been teaching for 20 years. Well, hey, look at where you're at. Like work with where you're at, be realistic as you said, and also be really kind to yourself because like you were talking about in your early um, career, you were thinking that it was the school you were at so you went to a different school but you didn't really change your expectations of yourself so you just repeated the same patterns. You can take the same approach in a different school you could say take the same approach and attitude of that victim mindset as you said and I did a whole um, episode on that a couple of weeks ago actually um, you know if you get a new principal and you think that well they're going to solve everything now it was the old principal was the problem but you're still turning up and having the same exact patterns that are that are also not looking after you it doesn't solve the problem you've as you say you've got to take that responsibility 
for what you can control and, and what you can change now one step at a time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is the key, just chipping away. I know for a lot of people, dirty words, consistent, realistic yeah. and patient. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't sound very good in a brochure and it doesn't happen in 30 days. No. But it's really true because if we can have that piece of self-compassion, mm. it just changes everything. Yeah. Get realistic, get kind and just get moving. I often say to people, um, get ready, set, go. So mm. ready is what lane are you in? Where are you at? What's your context? And then set is what can you do mm-hmm. and go, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's get simple. That's a good PE teacher one. I like that one. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why I think of the mind. I think about psychological fitness yeah. just like physical fitness. It's and a muscle. If, 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 yeah, it's a muscle. And if you want to run a marathon, you've got to do the training. You can't just do – and it's often when I work with schools when they have a fabulous day with me and we do a fabulous day of teacher well-being and they're feeling great and uplifted, but that's, that can't be it. Yeah. That's like just doing a one, one-off one boot camp and then never training ever again. Yes, exactly. For schools to take this on board and to have a true systems approach, it's consistency. Mm. It's celebrating the wins. It's planting the seeds. It's encouraging the champions to show all the work that they're doing and really chipping away. The schools that I've seen the biggest success with are the schools that have just been realistic over time. Mm. And, you know, four or five years down the track, huge shifts, significant shifts. Yeah. But if they hoped for that in the first year, it wouldn't happen. And, and and if they are hoping for it the first year and then it doesn't happen and then it discourages them from continuing doing the things that are working but it's just not changing everything overnight, like set don't set the expectations so high that you then sabotage it when it doesn't turn out perfect tomorrow. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Then I get the principal who says, oh, well, Betty, yeah, we've done that, turn one. <laughs> you, you just, oh, okay, radio. So we're obviously, you know, not aligned on the way that we see well-being in schools because yeah. it's like, oh, well, tick that box. Mm. Mm. Let's move on to something different instead of actually seeing it's integral yeah. to how schools function and coming back to the relationship work that – you have to relate before anything happens. And I often say when I'm working with schools is connect, share, learn. Mm. Or if you want to make it more technical, connect, content, correction. Because if you want to be able to really get content, and especially when I'm working with senior, senior teachers because you need to get content yeah, through, yeah. you need to have really good relationships. So if you spend some time on the relationship part at the start, you can get through more content and you can have more correction. And you know yourself that if you've got a really good relationship with a student, you can also be able to say, how's uniform going? Yeah. But if you go too hard with all the correction without any relationship, they're just going to look at you and laugh. Like, yeah. well, I don't care. That's I don't care it. what you say. Our relationships is what we have. Mm. Mm. And our relationships with ourselves too. Because that's absolutely wherever you go, there you are. So yeah, every night you're going to go to bed with you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what school you go to or which staff room. It's always you. And imagine what life would be like for you if you show up charged for yourself mm. and the people around you. Mm. Well, yeah, and that's what I always say. 
doing that well-being work on yourself, the self-care, it doesn't necessarily change the situation that you're in. You know, you might be in a farm that is experiencing some really bad weather, but if you have done the work to really look after you, it doesn't change the external situation, but it can change your experience of it. And then it can allow you to, to approach it differently and to hopefully be more um, constructive and positive in your in your response rather than, you know, reactions and, and that sort of thing. And, look, I can't thank you enough, Meg. This has been amazing. You have shared so much. I didn't even have to ask you my kind of prompting questions because you've given us so many top tips, which is so good. Um, can you tell people where they can connect with you? Because I'm sure that they will want to follow you and um, and hopefully book you for their school well-being, but only in term one, obviously. <laughs> No, so the best place to contact me is through my website, openmindeducation.com, and I generally get people who contact me through the Contact Us page. Um, On social media, I'm on Instagram, very rarely. Most of the work that I do is with schools that have reached out and said, hey, we've heard about some of the work that you do. And from there, I talk to the leadership and try and find find out where they are on their wellbeing journey, if mm-hmm. they're still at, like, what is this wellbeing stuff? Yeah. Or through to the really on the positive journey, let's go, uh, let's get things moving. And it's a real privilege to work with different schools. Every school that I work with, I am just in awe of the educators that are working really hard. And it's quite often that there's one or two flying the flag for the school. And I, and it's mediums like this and Ellen, you providing this platform where, I hope people are feeling encouraged to keep going, to yeah. keep chipping away because I really feel like the swell is getting bigger and bigger and before long it's going to be an everyday part of school life. So I encourage people to reach out to me um, through my website and to keep charging their batteries. That's the main thing. Here's to that. And and all of the links, I will also put them in the show notes for this episode, which will be at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast um, and otherwise you can find Meg at openmindeducation.com. Well, this has been fantastic, Meg. Thank you so much for sharing so much valuable information and and really, really encouraging words too because, as you said, I, I agree. I think there is a groundswell happening and um, we're, all, we're all a part of this. It's no one person that makes this change in our schools and our our whole education system, but we're the ones that make the change in our own lives. So here's to that. Yes, we'll keep creating a ripple effect of positive change. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much, Meg. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it also if you would leave a rating and review in iTunes and share it with your friends. This really helps the podcast reach more people and together we can spread the message of teacher wellbeing to create thriving school communities. Show notes for this episode can be found at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. You can also find me at facebook.com forward slash selfcareforteachers and on Instagram my handle is at selfcareforteachers. So come along and follow me there. 